Please rise. Court is now in session. All right. Well, welcome to the Great Trials Podcast bonus episode. Uh, it's been a long time since we've done one of these, but uh, this is Steve Lowry here along with uh, Yvonne Godfrey. Yvonne, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm excited to do a bonus episode, and I'm excited because it's the man, the myth, the legend um, who's going to be our guest. And I feel like probably our dedicated listeners, like all four of them, <laughs> right. are, are, are curious they, about they, our guest. And, and this is their chance to hear him talk a little bit more. I, I know. I was, I've been thinking uh, long and hard about the title of this episode, and I think it is, Should Raz Go to Law School? So... That'll, like be, uh, that'll be it. But our guest today is Taras Misher, uh, better known as Raz, our our uh, fantastic producer, the one who is the uh, uh, behind the scenes. Uh, he is, I should say, he's the owner, uh, president, CEO. Uh, what other titles can I give you for a uh, pod on the go? Dad. Uh, but he, yeah, exactly. Dad. <laughs> <laughs> he rule, rules with an iron hand. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, Raz is uh, is uh, I mean, not only I mean, we I think we've told this story before, but he's uh, not only just uh, does a fantastic job as our producer, but really uh, was the one who gave us this push to do the podcast in the first place, because we were kind of fumbling around whether or not we should do it, whether or not it would be anything. And Raz, you know, kind of just, uh, you know, like uh, just a voice of clarity just came in and said, why don't you just do it? Just do and, it. And uh, see if it works. <laughs> and we're yeah. like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Raz is like, uh, he, he's like, I feel like an early podcast adopter, especially. Right. <laughs> um, you know, a lot of people didn't get into podcasts till COVID and that they were way old news for, for Raz. Um, and he's also helped connect us with a lot of our, um, a lot of our our guests, including including uh, the notorious DAP Derek yeah. Alexander Pope. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, uh, our one of our repeat guests. So he's always he's making connections, making podcasts happen. Um, so we can't thank you enough, Raz, for all you've done for us. Thank y'all. I don't know if black people can bless or not, but I'm blessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. That's right. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, yeah. And, and now, now that, I mean, the question is, is, uh, um, you know, I mean, you're the podcast godfather, uh, at least with regard to our podcast. And, uh, and now you're thinking of, uh, thinking of going to law school. So, um, uh, tell us about that. And should we, should we, Yvonne, should we just give the, uh, give the same advice he gave us? Like, why don't you just try it? Just... <laughs> why don't you just try it? Right. Why don't you just do it? It's just right. law school. It's just three years. I mean, <laughs> right. just, just $200,000. Right. You know? exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No big deal. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's the converging of the two worlds on this podcast, right? Which is the podcast side and the law side. So, um, Raz, tell us a little bit about why you started thinking about this and, um, and why our podcast didn't scare you off from thinking about it. <laughs> or, 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 yeah, I mean, because basically, I think after listening to all these podcasts, I mean, you're practically a lawyer already. Right? Yeah. Almost, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can spell voir dire. Right, right, <laughs> right exactly. <laughs> all this stuff. You've heard all the regional pronunciations. That's, That's right. right. That's voir dire. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's, it's kind of been in the... A history of it. So like 10 years ago, I told my wife I was going to go into business and I kind of gave myself like 10 years to become a billionaire. And if that didn't happen, <laughs> you know, so, so close, so close. <laughs> and if that didn't happen, I was going to, I was going to go back to school around 35 or so. And um, yeah, so I, I've, I thought about psychiatry. I thought about even doing like becoming a, a EMT or a firefighter or something like that, something to, to help people. Like that's all, that's really yeah. all it comes down to is I just want to I want to help people and specifically I want to help um like poor kids. Yeah. Kids like 
kids like I was, you know, poor. I didn't, you know, grew up without a father in the home, grew up in a home with like six women uh, of like four generations. So it was it was cool. You know, and I'm proud of that. But I, I was just I was really blessed to like be raised by a village. And I know a lot right. of kids don't have that. They have one parent and it's really hard to, you know, overcome, get out of the, the trap, as me and my friends call it. And honestly, like um, 2020 was crazy. But the the death, the in, the incident that got to me the most was probably Ahmaud Arbery. Right. Just because I he didn't really have a chance. You right. Know? right. One, one way or another, because of who, you know where he came from, he was going to end up as a statistic. And, I, you know, I just wish that I could, you know, change that for kids, other kids. Yeah. I mean, there are so many tragic things, uh, you know, uh, that it sort of spurred on the Black Lives Matter um, movement, uh, you know, and obviously the George Floyd or I guess Derek Chauvin trial is going on right now. I've been watching a lot of that because uh, mm -hmm. uh, just have been interested as a lawyer. But the Ahmaud Arbery, um, you know, is is just such a tragic case and, uh, uh, you know, shocking. I mean, to, you know, um, to basically be chased down the street and just shot in the street uh, and then just uh, left there. I mean, it's just, uh, there's no, there's no uh, explanation for it. Right. Yeah. I mean, shocking in that, that was really close to home for all of us. I mean, that yes. was not mm -hmm. far from Savannah. That was, that was here in Georgia. That was kind of at a time where, you know, I think we all sort of hoped um, that we were working on positive change. And then that was a really negative thing that happened right here close to home. So I, I, I sort of feel the same way about that is that I, they, I'm there. Every, all of these incidents are horrible, mm -hmm. but that, but that one did feel a little different maybe because it was just closer to us or, or, yeah. or maybe just the circumstances. I don't know. Um, but you know, whereas I, I, you know, I, I will say it's not the point of this episode. I could see you being a great psychiatrist because you're a really good like <laughs> listener and like very like you've got like a good head on your shoulders. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's hard to find a good psychiatrist. Not that I would know, but uh... <laughs> right. That's the, uh, yeah, that's that's a story. I think Mike Rowe told it. Mike Rowe. He you know does the uh, dirty jobs. Dirty and... jobs. Yeah. Yeah. And he interviewed a septic cleaner who was a previous previously psychologist. And he asked him why he changed. And he said he got tired of dealing with people's shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's why he, now he's a septic cleaner. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Um, but I think that's great. I mean, I think whereas you already have, um, and it's something we'll probably talk more about, but I think one of the, the, not the pitfalls, but one of the struggles people can have when they go to law school too quickly or without really a, a, an idea of what they want to do. I think that's sometimes where people struggle because it's not really like, you know, you, you, I feel like at least I felt a little bit more in my own in terms of what my course selection was going to be. And was I going to take the right classes for what I wanted to do and figuring out what I wanted to do. And so if you don't have a clear picture of that, when you start law school, I think you can just end up taking classes because they work for your schedule and, and not really, um, I think it helps because it is hard work. I think it helps to, mm -hmm. to work hard and, and, and create your schedule and be more engaged when you have an end game in mind or something, at least a general area of what you know you want to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and I'll say, you know, when you talk about that, you want to make change and there, there are certainly a number of occupations that you can do where you can uh, you can make real change. But that that is one of the things that, uh, that uh, you know, uh, I think we've been blessed in, and that feel fortunate to that, you know, and ours are, are very sort of one on one or, you know, making change with regard to a family that's just been devastated by something. But as a lawyer. Uh, you know, especially a trial lawyer, you do have that opportunity to make real change, uh, especially in, in the, uh, the lives of, of people who've just suffered tremendously. And, um, and that, that is one of the things that's, uh, that's extremely gratifying about this job. You know, now that being said, there's plenty of things in this job that probably aren't so gratifying, <laughs> uh, you know, like when you get into the, you know, ev everyday battles or bickers with uh, with the other side, which, mm. you know, is not uh, usually fun. And um, so but uh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, being able to um, to affect change, not only, you know, with regard to a, a family, but, you know, societal changes too. And, I, and that doesn't always happen, but sometimes every once in a while in a case, you know, there is that chance where you can, you know, maybe enact a new law or, or a new regulatory stance or just get uh, the public's attention to a certain issue. Um, and, and that, uh, does happen from time to time. And um, it is one of the great parts of this job. So, you know, on that side of it, I would say law school and, and becoming a lawyer, uh, of course, I'm biased towards trial lawyers, uh, you know, is, um, is really, um, you know, gives you that opportunity to do that. Um, yeah. And I, and I do think the, the legal field is one where once you're out of law school, the legal field is very well set up for you to give back and help other people, whether it's on your state level or the national level, or if it's because you want to be a public defender or do public interest work. Um, you know, I do think that, 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 I mean, I don't have a whole lot to compare it to, but there are so many options for, for lawyers to, to give back in, in socially important ways mm. um, that, the, you know, the jobs are there, you know, I don't know how much they pay, but the opportunities are there for sure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so there's, there's trial law. I don't know a lot about the different avenues a lawyer can go into, but I know because of you guys, I know about trial law pre uh, right. pretty well. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. And, and I was a real estate agent for about three years. So I know about, you know, contract, you know, real estate law mm -hmm. of yeah. being a real estate attorney. So what, like, what other avenues are there? Or what other things did you guys think about doing? I mean, so there's so many different areas that you could go into. Um, when when I first went in, went to law school, I went to a, a law school that was known for its environmental law program. Environment, you know, the environment is still very important to me, and I try to help out as much as I can with regard to different groups. Um, but I, I will say that my day-to-day -day practice is not uh, environmental law. I mean, there is a case from time to time that I'll I'll get involved in that involves those issues. Um, it, it, so, you know, at the time, that's what I, I, I can just, from a personal standpoint at the time, that's kind of where I saw my, um, my future. And then when I really got into actually doing it, I just found that the, I really enjoyed the, the one-on-one -on -one connection with clients and helping them out. And then, and then even I, uh, you know, while it's stressful, uh, when you're in a courtroom and you're in that day-to-day -day strategy battle, uh, fighting for your client. I mean, there's no bigger rush 
for a trial lawyer. I'll say that. Um, so, so that's what really drew me to this side of the job. But I mean, literally, you know, one thing I've said to a, a lot of people thinking about going to law school is even if you decide not to become a lawyer after your three years of law school, and I know that the, that can be uh, when you, especially if you're going to go in somewhere where you've got a lot of debt. And I do want to talk about that because I think that's not just law school, just this, just college debt right now is, is, is getting sort of out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um, you, you know, I think a law degree helps you in so many different areas of life, um, you know, to have that training, um, to have those sort of logic and analytical skills and research and writing, you know, and into, you know, attention to detail, all of those things help you in, in so many different areas. So I, so I guess I would say, I, I don't want to, even if you decide not to become a lawyer at the end of the day, I still think a law degree can be a good degree and a helpful degree. Now it's obviously best for lawyers. And then as far as I think Yvonne was about to say something, as far, as far as what types of law, I mean, there's literally everything you can think of. There are laws that apply and there are, and you can be a lawyer specific to that. I mean, so sorry, go ahead. Yvonne. No, no, not at all. I, I was just going to jump in to say that I, I remember very distinctly when I was interviewing at different law schools and applying that one of the first questions you get asked is whether you're interested in litigation or transactional law are kind of like, even though I think that there's um, a lot of nuances to that and not everything fits in those boxes, those are usually the two big categories that people hit you with. And so litigation is you know, not necessarily a firm that's going to try cases a lot, but it's stuff that's going through the the civil case system, cases that are filed. And so whether it's plaintiffs or defense or whatever, um, that's the court system on the civil side is what people are talking about. Mostly when they ask, are you interested in litigation? And then transactional is kind of like, you know, the business side of things, typically mergers and acquisitions, you know, sort of document drafting, that kind of thing. So you're not going to be in court, which a lot of people do not want to be in court. They don't, Mm. they don't want to litigate. They don't want to be part of the more adversarial system. And so they're representing clients that are sort of trying to get deals done. Mm. Now there's a lot of things that don't fit into that. Like obviously, the entire area of criminal law. Um, but I f- I recall being asked that, that question quite a lot when I was interested in law school and interviewing law school and trying to get my letters of recommendation is, is w- whether you're interested in to the, those two chunks. And I do think it's really productive as sort of early as you can in the process, whether it's, you know, ideally by shadowing somebody or just learning more about it, at least figuring out if you're interested in litigation or not. Um, because if you're not, that really narrows down the kind of the world of things that you might want to consider doing. And if you really do love it, then there, that there's still plenty of different types of law, like Steve says that you can practice, but then there are classes that you definitely want to take in law school. Right. Um, if you're interested in litigation that you don't want to miss. Um, and vice versa. If you decide you're interested in transactional or criminal law, you know, I took very few criminal law classes. So the criminal law in the bar was, I had to really study pretty hard for, much harder for that. Okay. Um, and, you know, that's why the criminal side to me is an, is an area of law I'm much less comfortable with. So, okay. you know, I, I think, I think focusing on whether you're interested in litigation or whether you want to do something else is a good place to start. Okay. Yeah. Why, why did you, why did you choose litigation, Yvonne? Honestly, I didn't even really know about the other side of law. I think when I first started, I, I worked or the other sides of law, like I, I started after undergrad, I worked for a law firm. Um, 
Motley Rice down in, in Charleston. And that was a litigation firm. That was a plaintiff's trial law firm. Um, great trial lawyers. But that was really all I was exposed to initially. And I really only I wanted that job because I wanted to research and I wanted to write. And I was lucky that they gave me an opportunity to do that and, and work for the lawyers there. Um, but seeing what they did, I knew I liked it. And seeing what they did, I knew I had skills that could contribute to cases like that. Gotcha. Um, and so then I it, then it was just always litigation from then on for me. I didn't really know what the other side of it um, really looked like. And I, I probably still don't know that much about it <laughs> yeah and, and I'll, I'll say um this would, uh, two things i'll add on to there is one i think uh yvonne is is underselling molly rice i mean they're one of the uh the great trial law firms yeah not intentionally involved. i love that. i love <laughs> i love them but been involved in just massive uh cases including um uh, what's the one um the movie about the tobacco cases. The um, Insider. The Insider, yeah, yeah. yeah. Ron Motley is uh, is one of the characters in that, and uh, he unfortunately uh, Ron has uh, passed away a few years ago. But he would have been a fantastic guest to have on this mm -hmm. uh, podcast because he was such a um, a flamboyant and just great trial lawyer. Mm -hmm. um, one thing you said, Raz, is that you wanted to help out children, and and there are uh, some great. Uh, legal group, you know, groups that uh, for lawyers that help out children. Uh, one and one of which um, is almost completely voluntary. Although I know they have, um, they they do have, um, uh, you know, some full time paid people. But it's it, it's something if you worked for a firm, you could also do this on the side to just sort of help that. But it's uh, it's called CASA. It's a child advocate. Uh, I don't remember what the S and E A, but basically you become the, like if there's a child who for whatever reason has come into the system, like with the department of family and children's services, um, you, you are the advocate for that child. Um, so while there may be advocates for the state or for the, the county, there may be advocates for the parents, your specific, that lawyer's job is specifically to advocate for the child and make sure that that child's best interests are being considered by the court. And it's a, a great program. Um, and and court, there are, are court numbers. appointed special that's advocate. That's it. Court appointed special advocates. Yes. It's a, that's a great program. And, and there's a number of other groups like that. I mean, you know, they, they're really all sides of, um, you know, what you can do when it comes to uh, legal work. And um, the, the, let me, let me uh, put part of the negative part of law school on you for one second. Yeah. I, I, one thing that I faced when I came out of law school is I had at the time a tremendous amount of debt of, uh, of, um, school debt. And, um, and I, th I think it's only gotten worse now to be honest. Um, so we, you know, I had considered going to work for like public interest groups or groups that were just going to be doing that. And, and the unfortunate problem with that is, is that when you come out with that tremendous amount of debt, and yes, there are ways you can defer it for a few years, but you know, it, it's still, still got to pay. You it. still got that behind your head. You, if you go work for those public interest groups, you, they're just not going to be groups that are going to be able to pay you, you know, a lot because they're doing, they're doing this as a public interest group. So, you know, you're really doing it for your, you know, your belief in your heart, but it makes it hard if you've got if you've got a tremendous amount of debt, it makes it hard to go work for groups like that 
um, mm. because you're not going to be able to, at least for me, I wasn't going to be able to pay off my debt and work for a group like that. Um, so, you know, that, that's, uh, one, uh, you know, there, there are certainly good and bad aspects of law school. And, uh, and one of the, in my mind, negative aspects of basically all higher education right now is just the, the tremendous amount of debt that a lot of young people are coming out of college and graduate programs and, and law school and medical school caring, you know, when they're, when they're young and when they're trying to start, um, you know, building a life, it's, mm -hmm. it, it makes it so tough. And, uh, and it's, in, in my mind, it's only gotten worse. Mm. Yeah. I mean, sorry to bring you all down. No, no, not, <laughs> not at all. You know, I mean, and the, the thing is there are, um, I guess two things that were, that were related to, um, law school's efforts, both in knowing that people might not know exactly what kind of law they want to practice and also knowing the financial strains that it puts on people. You know, I think some, I think most schools make an effort to have, just like in college where you've sort of got a base level of requirements where you should be well prepared to, to um, at least have a workable knowledge of, of kind of the, the just general law, you know, I mean, especially mm -hmm. your first year, you're taking stuff you might never want to ever have to deal with like property law, but there's okay. certain things for me personally, <laughs> but there's, there's things you're going to have to take. And so you are going to, it's not like, you know, if you don't know, if you're curious about certain things, you're, there is going to be time for that. And you are going to have some flexibility that's built in by the things that you have to take in most schools most schools will make sure that you get sort of those, those foundations and foundational courses as part of your requirements to get your degree. Um, related to the financial thing, as, as Steve points out, it is a big strain and some schools are better at, at acknowledging that and trying to accommodate that than others. Mm -hmm. You know, I was fortunate to, I went to the university of Georgia and I was fortunate to get some scholarship help there because when I went back, I was over 26. And so I guess maybe I was 26, 26 or 27. Couldn't be on my parents' health insurance anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, law school, going to law school full-time, I would, I would, if it is at all possible, I would not recommend working. I certainly wouldn't try to recommend working a lot of hours on the side to support yourself while you're in law school. I mean, I guess that's a personal choice for people. Especially, I, especially in the first year. Yeah. I would not have been able to pull that off, mm. um, and still get the grades that I wanted to get. Um, but, um, a lot of schools know that and, and some schools have a very strong either alumni network that that's willing to help you or, or other things to help, you know, financially put stuff towards your tuition. Um, and then, you know, RAS, especially for you, if you're thinking about it, I know that that some schools have have programs that acknowledge people who might be the first person in their family with a professional degree okay. or might come from a single parent home or a, a um, uh, you know, be the first one to go to college, you know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of other opportunities like that out there too, that help with the financial strain. But Steve's okay. right on. Like if you, if you don't have a lot of money saved up or whatever, and so the, the cost of law school is debt for you, then it really, as a realistic matter, affects your career choices. Yeah. Hmm. So, and yeah. So, so I, I was the first person uh, in my immediate family to go to college. So yeah. I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I completely missed way too many classes. But I'm, <laughs> but I'm smarter now. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so like, what what is your advice for being successful in law school? Um. Well, let's or, see. Or what would you have done different? 
So what's what's the old saying, Yvonne, that when you when you go to law school, the first year they scare you to death, the second year they work you to death, and the third year they bore you to death? <laughs> and um, you know, I, I, I mean, you know, uh, I, you, yeah, I, I have no doubt that you'll be successful in in law school, Raz, because I, I, you know, know you know your attention to detail, I know you know how how much you believe it, and I, I will say, going as an older, I went straight out out of college, going as an older person i mean you're more mature you've mm-hmm. you know you've you've just you've decided things you've got a family um yeah. so you know you've got people depending on you i mean i the, in my experience older student you know students tend to do better i mean just because they've had a few years out in in real life um you know they're you know maybe not you know going out and uh you know still partying or whatever doing things they shouldn't um you know so um, but yeah, and I and I'm sorry to interrupt you, Steve, but yeah. I just I I just want to touch on that because I I think I remember hearing I took my I took the LSAT twice, and that's the exam that you need to take. Well, at least you used to. I don't know if things have changed in COVID times, but you used to have to take that for most law schools mm-hmm. um, to get in. And I took it twice. The first time I took it was like during my senior year in college, and I remember hearing a lot of advice about you should take some years in between undergrad and law school. And I was like, "Not me. I'm I'm a super nerd. I know <laughs> yeah. that advice yeah. is not for me." Um, I didn't do as well on the LSAT as I I wanted to, and I did end up taking time in between. I took four years in between. That was what when I was working at Molly Rice. Okay. Um, took the LSAT again, and, and then that was when I went to law school, and and I. So I say this with full knowledge that I was resistant to this advice the first time I heard it, but I do think it is some of the best advice is to take at least a year, preferably at least two years between undergrad and law school, which is obviously whereas you don't have to worry about that. You've already done just, it, for, right? yeah. just for any other listeners who are curious, <laughs> right, because sure, yeah. otherwise I think that adjustment of we all remember that adjustment when you sort of have been working full time for a long time, like over a year. And then you're like, oh, is this what adult life is? I just I work till I retire or die. And and, you know, even when you like your job, it's just it's being a grown up and, and kind of looking at this stretch of working hard and work isn't always fun. And that is a hard adjustment that or that gives you a lot of it's a gives you a lot to think about and it gives you a lot of perspective. So I felt like I was very fortunate to have adjusted made that sort of realization of what working for a living is like in between undergrad and law school. Because then when you go to law school and you get these stresses of law school, um, or you have to make these decisions in law school. Number one, you've already adjusted to at least knowing what it's like to work full time indefinitely, and that just sort of growing up adjustment. I think those years after college can be kind of rough. Um, but also I remember one all year, as Steve said, when they try to scare the hell out of you, I was sort of like, okay, these aren't real problems, you know, like getting, (laughs) getting called on in class when the Socratic method and not knowing the answer to a question, it's not fun. It's embarrassing, but these aren't real problems. Eventually the professor will move on after he's embarrassed (laughs) you for a while. (laughs) And it's like, it's not when I was like, you know, struggling to make like rent and eating like crackers for dinner or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. it's just, um, and so I think that, that, sorry to interrupt you, Steve, in the middle of your thought, but I, I just think that's so important to take some time in between. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and so as far as uh, I'll give you some things that I think worked for me in law school and I, and it'll be interested to hear if it's different for Yvonne, but um, 
in in law school. So I assume most law schools are like this, but you know, you it you you're not really getting regular assignments. You're not getting you know quizzes, tests, things like that. Your entire grade is based upon one test at the end of every semester. So it's basically on you to pay attention, you know, know what the concepts are, and then be able to, uh, you know, coherently write the law and, and do your analysis of it. And most of it is uh, essay. Um, so there's a lot of the blue, I mean, at least when I went to law school, it was blue book. People probably do everything on computers now. Um, so, so, so what happens is, is there, you know, everybody, you'll hear everybody talk about in law school is, is their outline. Like, what, what do you got for your outline? You know, can I borrow your outline? You know, can, you know, you have outlines from old classes. For me, uh, I, it, I, I did not borrow other people's outlines and I did not get old outlines. Um, and I, I was involved in a few study groups, but honestly, I, for me, at least I learn better when I do it on my own. Um, but, um, I, I found it to be the, you know, I would make my own outlines and, um, and so basically, you know, an outline is just what it is. You're, you're basically where you're outlining the concept of the law, how it applies a few cases on it. And so that when it comes time, you can, you know, do your analysis of it. For me, I did my own outlines. Um, and it was probably a lot of work, maybe more work than other people are doing, but for me doing the outline itself, really ingrained whatever the concept was. And so I ended up doing, you know, pretty well in law school. And it's, it's interesting now because even like when I'm getting ready for a deposition or a hearing or anything, I do my own outlines now. I, I mean it, because that, and, and then I'll, what I'll find, what I'll find is I, I may have like a really, um, you know, involved outline and then I don't even refer to it during the hearing or during a trial or during, um, the deposition because the process of doing the outline, at least for me, really just puts it into my head, uh, you know, so that I, I know it really well. Um, and so, uh, so that's, you know, as, as a very practical matter on the question of outlines, which you'll hear a lot when you, if you're going to law school, my advice is do your own outlines. Um, you know, yeah, it's not, it, maybe for the first year, look at a couple of other outlines so you can get a kind of an idea how to do them. Um, but it, it, what I always said is you don't know who did that other outline and you don't know whether or not they were right or wrong. I mean, they, they may have, you know, they may have been completely, you know, uh, misinterpreting a concept. So you'd rather do it yourself. But um, okay. what did, what, how, what was your experience with that, Yvonne? Well, I think I was similar study, study styles to you. Um, and I, I remember when people started talking about outlines and I was like, what the hell are people talking about? And why do I even need an outline? Right? right. Like, I'm like, I'm taking notes in class. Why do I need an outline? And, and is this something special that needs to be a certain way? And it doesn't, all the people are talking about when they're talking about their outline is it's kind of like a, it's a condensed version of like, let's say your class notes or whatever, but for the whole semester. So it's just something that's easier to study from. It's better organized. That's all people are talking about when they're talking about their outline. Some exams are open outline. So like I had friends who would go and get their spiral bound at like Kinko's or whatever and have tabs in it so that, you know, and highlight it. Um, mm -hmm. And I think to, to piggyback off what Steve said, especially because I really agree with his advice and I was a similar sort of style to approaching law school is that I think the, the key thing is the two things you hear the most about number one is outlining and number two is the curve. So right. depending on where you go to law school, depending on the class, the hardest thing for me to, to 
adapt to was the concept of my grades being curved because I didn't deal with that in undergrad. And so that's in the bigger classes. Usually Mm. Um, your grade is curved so you can still get a lot of the questions or whatever the exams, right. Get a lot of points, but depending on how many people did better than you, you know, if you did average, then you're going to have a B or, you know, however your, Mm. your school um, sort of puts the points on the curve. So it's that's it's a little weird, especially your first year, because like your classmates are your competitors and some people get weird about helping each other with stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I think it you can see what other people are doing, even even me being older, I would see what other people were doing for studying and people who were being really intense and being like, should I be doing that? Should I be part of a study group? Um And so I think the most important thing is to not get freaked out by that stuff and just to know yourself and how you learn. Um, And so I think that's what Steve was saying about how he figured out and that's what he did. And, and that's what I tried to do too. And so there were some classes that I had where I was like, I don't need an outline for this exam. I just need to hammer in on my notes at these parts or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, Or, you know, like I don't need to go to this optional group Q and a, you know, at the end, some professors would do that. I don't need to go to that. What I really need to do is reread this chapter on this, um, or get like a, you know, a horn book, which is like a sort of study guide type thing on a specific issue that I know I'm struggling with and just kind of have confidence in your knowledge of yourself and how you learn and what's going to work for you and not get distracted in the periphery by what other people are doing, because you're going to be in class with like a super intense 23 year old who's (laughs) freaking out about everything. Yes. And maybe, maybe that's you. And you'll get those, (laughs) but it is my, it is my wife. So I'm used to it. Yeah. (laughs) And you'll, you'll get the type the whole competition things. I I, I think I was fortunate to go to a, a law school where, I mean, yes, people were competitive, but for the most part, they were friendly and we all got along and, and everybody's trained. But you do hear stories of other law schools where the competition is intense and people are trying to undercut each other. Hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, that that's just life is too short to live that way uh, in, in my mind. And so I the best advice on that is just don't get caught up in the yeah. competition. And you'll find there are certain people <laughs> that you'll and, you know, and after your first year, you probably start avoiding these people. But there are certain people who always after every exam want to know, how'd you do? You know, where'd you come in? What did you get? You know, and it's just like. <laughs> I mean, I'm done with that exam. I want to move on. You know, I don't yeah. want to, I don't yeah. want to talk about it anymore. Yeah. And um, it's, it's worth saying that um, depending on what you want to do and how competitive the field you want to go into is like, you know, ideally we'd all be there for just learning the law and for learning's sake. But the reality is depending on what you want to do, your rank in the class and your GPA is going to matter. Um, if you want to go into a competitive area of law, or if you want to go to one of the big firms that, that, that pays a bazillion dollars, you need to think more about your grades. Okay. Um, if you want to do something where, you know, you either know you're going to be able to get a job or where um, it's not as competitive, um, n- not in a negative way, but just whatever, more positions or less people want this, mm-hmm. this opportunity, then, then yeah, just focus on learning for learning's sake. And, and you're, you know, you don't have to fixate on where you are in the curve and what your GPA is going to be like. You just really have to worry about learning the law you want to practice and learning enough about the law in general to pass the bar. Okay. So, so you guys spend a lot of time doing outlines, but like, what else is the, like when you, when you say you're studying, what are you, what are you studying? Just the, the different cases? 
Yeah, I mean, so you'll get like, a, it, you know, it, it's been so long for me now, but um, but basically, you'll, you know, you'll get your textbook, it has a number of cases in that your, your professor will usually assign you, uh, you know, some cases, maybe some articles, things like that to read. And then it's, you know, Vaughn was referring to the uh, Socratic method. So the basically the whole way the class is taught is the professor starts asking questions and then students start talking. Some sound smarter than others. And, uh, you know, and if you don't, if you haven't done your reading and you get called on, you know, sometimes, you you know, if you haven't done your reading and you're trying to put your head further down in your book and you know, <laughs> don't make eye contact with the professor. Um, but, um, but, you know, uh, you know, so they'll, so they'll basically talk through everything and they'll, um, and, um, you know, so you want to do your reading, you want to, I mean, and really, it, it, it can be easy, especially, you know, when you're new at law school to, you know, you may be not getting the, the point out of each case. Mm. Um, and, and it may be hard to understand, like, you know, they're talking about all this other stuff, but what's the real point here? Um, you know, so, um, you know, reading cases and, and you know, and, and reading, you know, people talking about them can be helpful. Um you know, I, I remember, uh, you know, if you use Westlaw or, Nex or uh, Lexus, you know, they all do head notes. And I remember one of my professors saying to me, you know, like the people who write these head notes, you know, they're not the top of their class at law yeah. school. So don't don't rely on the head notes, you know, like read the actual case. Yeah, um, that is so, good uh, advice. Yeah, exactly. But um, so so I mean, basically your day to day, uh, as I recall, it is is basically going over cases and different concepts of uh, legal theory, you know, and what they're talking about. And depending on what your class is, whether it's torts or criminal law or property, um, you know, or, or civil procedure or constitutional law, um, you know, they, they you'll you'll hit different areas and then you'll start talking about the cases and like, you know, um, and you know, so that that's basically what day to day is. And then, you know, and then, mm -hmm. and at the end of the semester, you're expected to remember that or remember enough of that um, so that whatever question they ask you about it, you can talk, you know, uh, you know, coherently about and, and explain the legal concepts and how they might apply to any situation, which can be fun. I mean, it actually, can, you know, when you, you know, because what we do as lawyers is, you know, we look at a case and somebody comes in and they have a problem and we say, okay, well, this type, that's, this law is going to apply to that. There might be these hurdles to that. You know, whenever we're getting ready for trial, we're, that's what we're doing is, you know, you're, you're thinking of which laws apply and how they, how they're going to apply and what are going to be the problems. So, you know, it is a good way, I think, you know, for understanding the way lawyers think and the way lawyers assess things, um, a good way to teach. But, um, but so yeah. that's what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis. Okay. Right? Yeah. It's when you're not in class, you're reading. It is a lot of reading. I like to read. It is a lot of reading. Okay. Um, and then taking notes on what you've read in case you get called on, because depending on your professor and depending on your format, you're not going to have a choice. It's not a whether you raise your hand or not situation. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like in a lecture style class or a lecture style professor, that's not, um, getting a lot of participation from students or you know you're not going to get called on no one's checking to see if you're doing the reading but if you leave it you are not going to get caught up you're not going to absorb it and as steve mentioned that there's really only one grade sometimes two that matter and so if you're not um if you haven't been keeping up 
it's just too much to learn at the end. I'm a crammer. I was sort of always a last minute sort of person that does not work in law school mm. for the most part. I mean, you can get away with a little bit of it, but uh, <laughs> for the most part, it doesn't work. And then on the writing side, most classes require you to take at least a sort of basic legal writing class. Um, so you do some writing, but most of the writing that you do is either on an exam or for your own study use. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, um, I would say that's the most, you know, especially like your first year when it's all new, reading cases, it's new. It's, and you're reading a lot of the old cases, which are famous and, and believe it or not, still come up mm-hmm. a lot of times yeah. in hearings, mm-hmm. but they're written, they're not written like modern writing. They're, they're not easy reading. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I feel like that, especially your first year, that's the struggle, learning how to read cases, learning how to read legal language, which is not always saying things the clearest and easiest way. Okay. Okay. Um, something my wife wanted me to ask, uh, post-law school, say I go through with it, become a lawyer, pass the bar, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what's work-life balance like, you know? Well, it, it all depends on what you're doing. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you, um, I mean, I, I, I still work, uh, I mean, lawyers work a lot, um, you know, and it, it, it really depends. Uh, I can tell you when I first came out of law school, I worked even a lot more than I work now. Um, like um, it, it all, it, it, it really can be different for, uh, you know, what you get into. Uh, the one thing I did want to say, and, and um, there are positives and there are negatives to any school and including law school. The one thing I'll say about law school, at least from my experience, is that while they teach you the concepts of the law and, you know, and how you're supposed to use those, they don't do, or at least I didn't think they did a great job on teaching you what it was like on a day-to-day basis to actually be a lawyer mm-hmm. um, and to talk about things that are that are so common you know, and, and I, you know, and I, now when I say this, I'm sure like if my law school professor listens, they'll probably be like, yes, I did teach you that. You just weren't <laughs> listening. But I, I don't, I, you know, I, you know, you, you of course understand the concepts of, you know, like things like service and, you know, and making sure that the other party is notified of the lawsuit. But when I came out of law school, I was kind of like, yeah, so we file this thing in court and then, you know, what, what's next, you know? And it's like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, then, yeah, and then there's service. Like I, we read about it. And they're like, no, you have to serve it. You idiot. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, so it, it you know, it, it all depends on what type of law you uh, want to go into. And, gotcha. um, and, 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 and it, the earlier you can decide that the better, because there are certain classes that you should you know, focus on more. And I'll never forget that, you know, when I was a first year and there's a lawyer who came and he was a trial lawyer. And he says, you know, if you want to do trial lawyer, he's like, you know, know your civil procedure. And I was like, Oh man, I can't stand civil procedure. (laughs) And, um, you know, but, uh, but you know, he was right. I mean, like, you know, knowing the rules of, you know, uh, you know, everything you're doing jurisdiction, you know, we can get into all kinds of concepts, but it is so important to every Mm -hmm. case. And there's just certain basic things you have to do in order to file your case, get it in, you know, get it, you know, uh, maneuvered the best, uh, you know, and to pursue it. So, um, you know, it, it may not be the sexiest course out there, but it is one of the most important. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, related to work-life balance, I think it's really important to think about. It's a good question for your wife to ask, because I think lawyers in general, as Steve points out, they work a lot. I think most lawyers struggle, struggle with work-life balance. Um, 
You know, if you ask any sort of state bar organization or national lawyer organization, lawyers struggle a lot with anxiety, stress, depression, somewhat, Mm. you know, related to their jobs. And I think part of that is because depending on the work you do, you know, Raz thinking about helping these kids who come from broken homes or tough situations can be very hard to leave your case at work or, or to, to leave it at the end of the day, you know, in our cases where, um, you know, somebody has been severely injured or somebody has been killed and you're dealing with the family members, it, it can take a toll on you, on you. And of course you're, it's nothing compared to what they're going through, but it's, you know, you're dealing with heavy stuff. And so Mm. you can internalize a lot of that can be hard to leave it aside. And so, I think work-life balance can be achieved to a certain degree, but number one, it requires effort. It doesn't, you know, you've really got to work hard at it. You've got to work hard on, on drawing your own lines when you can. Mm. Um, And, 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 you know, doing self-care, it's a trendy word right now, but, but figuring out ways where you can make everything work. It takes a lot of effort. And then the other thing I would say is it, it just takes time. The first year I remember, even after two years of, of, clerking when I started working at our firm, my first year, I just felt like I had to ask questions about how to do everything and that everything took me a really long time. And I remember, and I was working long hours in a, at a firm where I wasn't billing for it. So, you know, it didn't matter mm-hmm. if it took me one hour or 10 hours, but I felt like it was always taking me 10 hours. And I remember asking the lawyers at our firm, you know, how, how much longer will it be like this? Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, about a year, you know, like just (laughs) stick with it and it'll start to ease up. And I felt like it never would, but I really do remember right around a year's time, I was drafting a complaint or doing something and it was so much easier than it used to be. And so I think with experience comes that efficiency. Um, So don't freak out if when you first come out of law school, if you're like, whoa, I mean, that's normal. Yeah. Okay. And, and I'll, I'll say, Raz, you know, uh, for you, who's got, you know, a, a family, you got, got kids is, you know, you right. just, it, it's, it's comes down to time management and make time for your, for your kids, make time for their school stuff for being there. And then know that after that's done, you might have to go back and finish a brief or you might have to go, you know, finish writing something. But I mean, that that's one thing that, that, uh, you know, in our firm, um, you know, I, I've, you know, chosen to do my uh, law partner, Jeff, who's got kids, you know, is we do really work hard on making sure that we've got time for our families. Um, and, um, you know, and then, but it, at the same time, we, it doesn't get in the way of our cases. It's just, you just have to balance, you know, yeah. it, it is a, it is a balancing act and it is a, a management, but in, in there, in, in, in what, one thing I should say is that there are weeks when, you know, maybe not as much is going on and take advantage of those weeks. And then there are weeks when you're just working, you know, every waking hour, like a trial, yeah. when you're in trial, you're always working. Um, you know, and, and, and leading up to trial, um, you know, and that's, and, and that's just the way it is. Um, okay. So is it kind of like a feast or famine type of thing a little bit? Or? Well, it, I mean, as far as whether or not you have time for your family, yeah, I mean, there are definitely times when it, it can be, now, when we, you know, when we talk about the business of being lawyers, uh, being on a, on the plaintiff side, like we are, where we don't get paid by the hour, we get paid when the case result, you know, resolves either through trial. Yes. It is completely feast or famine. There there are times when you're doing great. And then there are times where you're like, you know, you know, things are, um, uh, 
you know, slow. So, uh, yeah. you know, it's just, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, the, it's, I used to think it was just litigation because, you know, a lot of it's not in your control, right? You'll wait, you'll wait, you'll wait. Then a court will rule on something and you'll have to go, 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 go. And then, you know, so that you, I struggled with, um, you know, not really feeling in control necessarily of sometimes when they're going to be busy times for me, you're just not. Similarly on the transactional side that can happen. They're usually really busy at like the end of a calendar year or fiscal year trying to get deals done or they're waiting on sophisticated clients to get something done. And so I think most lawyers, some of when they're going to be busy is not dictated by them and you just have to manage it the best that you can. But there are some jobs like um, in-house counsel jobs, which normally you've got to do something else first, but in-house jobs, clerking jobs, um, you know, certain types of government jobs where you're working much more of a nine to five. Um, and so if you are somebody who's like, you know, I don't want to be, I want to be in control of my hours. I want to be able to take this week off and know I'm going to have this week off and, and whatever you can still go to law school and be a lawyer, but, um, think about the field that you go into and what kind of job you take, but those jobs are out there, but a lot of people want them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let me check and make sure I don't have any other questions. Any other? I know, um, Stevie. These are good said, questions. Stevie yeah, no, said it, got like a twenty-minute. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, like an hour. Like we're you know we're just going to talk about where law started. Uh, you know, this is his. It's like his commencement speech. Like, he's been waiting to give I'm, somewhere. We're going to talk about how Hammurabi uh, learned the law, and, uh, and then we're going to go from there. You know. So, you know. Um, no, I, the I, learned hand. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so speaking of the learned hand, which Raz, if you don't know who that is, it, he was a very famous uh, judge and and uh, wrote a lot of opinions. But I'll never forget one year in law school in contracts class that we were reading a case by the learned hand. And one of my friends who didn't actually finish law school, he went on to become a brewmeister, um, mm. but, uh, which, you know, is a, a very satisfying job. You know, but yeah. uh, <laughs> right. he, I, I remember I'll never forget it, when he when he was called on to ask about it, he's like, he's like, you know what? I think the learned hand just dropped the ball on this one. And I was like, we're all, you know, it was just great. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Raz, I think your, I think your questions get across the, the point of, of something that I think is frequently really not overlooked. I mean, is frequently overlooked, especially by maybe younger students or students who, um, you know, coming out of college is hard, especially now to get a good job. Yeah. And so a lot of people go to law school because they can't get a good job. And that's fine. That might work out really well for you. Um, but I think just knowing that law school is hard and it is a big decision and finding the right program um, can make a big difference in that. And and knowing what you want to do can make a big difference in that. Um, I think it's better to look for programs um, that are, you know, you want to look at, see what their accreditation status is. Mm-hmm. Like, let's just you know, kind of save it for, for the end, but some of just sort of the things I wish somebody had told me, but I kind of lucked out is, yeah, you want to look at where a school is ranked as far as, um, just among law schools that can help in terms of the prestige of a program, but you want to look at what their bar passage rate is, um, of people who graduate from that law school, what percentage passes the bar. That's, mm. that's typically public information. Um, you want to think about where you want to practice as far as where you mm-hmm. want to go to law school. So if you want to practice in New York or California or whatever, um, those are states with, or Louisiana, which is like 
their late their laws are like written in a foreign language. Right. Then you want to think about where you want to go to law school because you know if you go into law school in Georgia, you can take Georgia practice and procedure and learn about how state courts work in Georgia, but you're right. not going to be able to take one for another state. So you want to look at the bar passage rates. You want to think about where you want to practice. You want to see if your law school has. Um, uh, you want to see number like what their class size is, how many professors they have to students. You want to look at um, what kind of mentoring programs they have, because as Steve pointed out, law school, I mean, they try, but there's a lot about practicing law that law school can't or doesn't teach you. And so right. if they've got a good mentoring program or a good like um, law school practicums where you can go for a semester and work somewhere, um, I definitely recommend going for a program that has that because that's yeah. um, a good insight and helps you sort through what you want to do, especially if you're not sure. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's kind of where I'm at stuck at now. Also I'm, I'm in North Carolina. We moved, just moved. I don't want right. to move again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, especially with right. three kids to uproot everybody. Right. So I've been looking at like online programs and it's only a couple, but none yeah. in North Carolina. Yeah. Or I could commute to Wake Forest and that's, that's still be like two hours, you know, a two hour yeah. drive. I would let me just say one thing about that because I, I've said this to my kids and uh, I've said it, uh, you know. So I went to the University of Maryland for undergrad and then I went to uh, law school out in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and then somehow I ended up in Georgia. So the, when I came to Georgia, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any connections. I didn't have, I, I literally think I've now met some people who went to my law school who practice, who live and practice here in Georgia. But I mean, it was like 10 people. Um, I mean, it was very small. It, it, so, you know, it, while I'm very happy with all the choices I made and it all has turned out well to me, well for me, I do think that it, like, if you're going to live and work in North Carolina, going to school in North Carolina, the law school is, uh, it just gives you a, a a big uh, leg up on, okay. you know, people coming from out of state. Okay. Um, so if you know, that's what you're going to do. And, and, and I know you've got family there, so it's, you know, um, I, I would strongly urge like go somewhere in North Carolina if you can. Okay. Yeah. And in a post COVID world, maybe more of these North Carolina programs will have a mix of in-person and online stuff that yeah. might make the, commute situation easier if you did decide to do a program that that required some in-person classes versus being on all, all online it's very hard for me to imagine all of law school being online mm. um i don't want to sound like a grandma about that but i but i think that there's a certain element of preparing for you for being a lawyer that comes from, from be, physically being in the classroom mm -hmm. physically having a professor who calls on you and you're you're around other people because that's what happens when you're in front of a judge yeah. or when you're in front of a uh you know a senior partner or something um you know depending on what you want to do is there similar pressures or similar stressors and so yeah you know, I'm sure there are people who do it and then they find a career and they feel very well prepared for it. And so I'm not trying to knock it, Yeah. but I would be hesitant 
I, I find it a little hard to imagine it preparing you as well as something that was a mix of in-person and online. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I mean, getting up and talking in front of people, defending your ideas, defending your, you know, your view of it. I mean, it, yeah, I don't, I don't want to say it's easier. People like doing it, but it, it I mean, that's the way you get good at that is, okay. is just by doing it. Yeah. Like I remember, you know, when I have to handle a hearing, you know, a lot of times I'll go to hearings with one of the partners at our firms and they, they were splitting issues up or they might be handling the really, you know, high pressure things. But when I have to handle a hearing and I'll be talking to my parents and my mom will be like, aren't you stressed? And I'll be like, none of this is scarier than the moot court competitions I did in law school, (laughs) (laughs) you know? And it's, even though those weren't real stakes, those weren't real cases that those experiences, like Steve says, of talking to your classmates, talking to your professors, standing up in front of a group of people and applying the law, applying the, the ideas or what prepare you to practice and what, make you they let you know you can do it mm-hmm. and i'm like knock on wood i have yet to do something scarier than was scarier than some of the stuff i had to do in law school <laughs> <laughs> what, what, so, what, is, what is moot court what is moot stand moot court yeah. yeah so so moot so moot court and mock trial mock are trial, yeah are the two typical programs that a lot of law schools have, most law schools have. And this is something you might also miss out if in an online only program. Um, they are, re- I think they're very important um, advocacy programs that train you for what being a real lawyer is like. So mock trial, it's typically a criminal case, although not, I think not always, but mock trial is basically like you will have, you know, teams on each side, plaintiff and defense, you'll have witnesses um, and you'll have like a sort of fake case set of facts or whatever. And you'll do opening statement, opening statement, closing arguments, witness direct examinations. You'll deal with evidentiary issues um, in front of a judge and it's all, and then you'll compete against either within your school or against other schools. Mm. Um, It's a really great, great way to start working on your trial demeanor and learning the rules of evidence and, um, and then moot court is it's funny because the names don't really, especially right. moot court doesn't really suggest what it actually is. Moot court is, is basically mock appellate arguments. Okay. Um, Where you so, don't have a jury. Yeah. You don't have a jury. It's a panel of judges, um, usually three, sometimes more. Um, and you are, you've got briefs. And so there's no, there's no witnesses, the evidence is whatever it is in the briefs, and you're arguing the legal issues to a panel of judges. Mm. And so one side's got 15 minutes or whatever, the, the other side's got 15 minutes, you know, the judges declare a winner, um, you switch sides that you argue on and whatever. Mm. And, you know, it sounds like putting on a play. Like I remember when people in my undergrad were doing mock trial and I was like, what the hell is that? You know, it's, I, I like equ- equated it to like drama club or something. Right, Not that there's right. anything wrong with that, but I was like, it's just <laughs> fake stuff. Um, yeah. But it's actually really good experience, especially in law school because it's with the stuff you really do. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and oftentimes they'll get uh, actual judges to, you know, to volunteer and sit in there. And so, yeah, you know, they, I mean, they treat it like a real case and it, it, it is great experience. And I should say that um, even if you don't get a chance to do it as part of your law school as much, there are groups that for college students and for law school students run their own mock trial programs like the Americans Association 
uh, for justice, um, the AAJ, they, they do a great uh, mock trial program. I know the state bar uh, here in Georgia does a, a good mock trial program uh, all the way down through the high school. So, and I, I'm, I'm sure some of the defense side at AAJ is, is plaintiff sided. I'm sure there's a defense side that does the same thing like uh, the, uh, uh, what is it? The, GDLA, Georgia Defense Lawyers Association. But um, so, so if, when you're in law school, if you can sign up for one of those programs, that can be a lot of great experience too, because you actually will then meet lawyers and uh, law students from all over the country and, um, you know, and sort of put it together as well. So, you know, do it, Yvonne's right, especially if you know what you want to do is going to involve being in court in front of a judge. The more you can do that, that's, that type of stuff and just get up there and practice it, um, the better. Yeah. Okay. And you know, I just have to tell this university of Georgia makes you do moot court. They have like an in-school moot court competition your first year. And I was so mad at having to do it. I had to buy a suit for it. I didn't even have a suit, you know, and as I said, I was like supporting myself through law school. So I had to buy a suit for this stupid thing to do these moot court arguments to other older law students or more senior law students, I should say. And I was so, I had such a bad attitude about it. <laughs> and, um, and I loved it. I ended up really loving it. Um, and so you it's might a, go it's to a, a school lot, that, It's a lot of fun. I mean, to be yeah. honest, even though it is stressful, it is a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah. Mm. And so you might go to a school that builds some of that into its curriculum and, and gives you credit for it, uh, which uh, George, like Georgia didn't do that when I was there, but they do that now. You can get some class credit for participating in programs like that. So that can help you towards getting your degree. Got you. Got you. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. So, um, so this so, has been, so, so Raz, uh, what's the decision? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, does that sit, does not, I'm, I'm probably going to go. It's a yeah. 90% chance I'm going to go. Yeah. Ne- next year. Yeah. Nice. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. The, um, yeah. And I appreciate you guys for all your, your help and guidance and, you know, I'll still be doing a podcast because I'm sure that will help me one way or another. Yeah. Nice, nice. yeah. You, next year, I'll be coming on here with legal problems like, you know, so I had this problem. Can you all help me with this? Like, yeah. yeah, you'll be you'll be <laughs> like pretty law. I don't know what the hell I know. you're talking about. You'll be so. So invitee, we'll just call him Mr. A. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bringing it for your homework on the podcast. The, the no. rule, rule against perpetuities. Go. Oh, <laughs> I actually got called. That was the, that I got, um, Socratic method called on for rule the first day of rule against perpetuities, um, nice. in property, which whereas you'll learn about, and it's when you learn about it, you'll be like, this is not still a thing. And it is still a thing. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, um, and, but anyway, you know, whereas you're, I, I think for any law school, any kind of program you pick, um, you get out of it, what you put in. Mm. And so you can go to a great program and, and put in, you know, minimum effort and, and not really engage and, and have a tough time when you come out and you can mm. go to a program that's maybe not ranked as high, but really, you know, put a lot into it, put a lot in, into making sure you're making connections and, and getting a well-rounded view of things um, and do really well, you know, and people like people who do part-time programs, and, and really excel there. There's not one right way to do law school. Um, and I have no doubt for you, you know, you do great at everything you do. So you're going to be fine. I do well, have, I, I mean, I, I know we're wrapping this up, but I do have one last uh, part. Now I want to ask Yvonne's opinion. So law review, yes or no? Wow. You Steve, want to explain what law review is? Such a good question. <laughs> yes. 
Oh my gosh. So, okay. No, my answer would be no, actually. I did law review. I hope, I hope nobody at my law school hears this. It was very, it was my goal from one all year to get on law review. So, um, explain what law review. Okay. So law review is, is another one of those words that you're like, what does that mean? Um, each law school has, has it. I mean, I think they all have one, but I guess most law schools have a law review. And what it really is, is like, it's usually a quarterly journal that the law school puts out. That is, it's staffed and edited by law students. Um, Usually with some, there's some professor oversight, but for the most part, it's really the law schools, you know, law students are, are editing the articles and getting it out the door with some help from like law school staff on like the publication side. Um, And different schools work different ways. Some schools, if you're just in the top, X percent of your class, you're invited to be on law review. Mm. Some schools do a combination of your grades and then they'll have like a write on Georgia has a write on. So there's a, um, there's a written assignment that you'd basically do at the first part of the summer after your one L year and a sort of a blue book, a citation kind of proofreading type thing that you do. And then based on that, they invite people to be on law review. Mm. Um, but whatever, however the method is that your school picks who's invited to be on it. It's very prestigious. Um, some, it's some law, law firms it, when they're hiring, look for law, review, look for especially, law, review. especially the, the big uh, silk stocking defense firms. Right. Okay. And then after, once you're on law review, um, then usually your third year, you can apply to get on, to have one of the positions and, you know, editor in chief of the law review is kind of the biggest, you know, brain of the law school, or at least that's how it's interpreted. Okay. Um, that, that's is, at least what Jeff, our law partner likes to tell us. And he <laughs> okay. was the editor in chief of Mercer his law, law review. Yeah. His law review. Um, I, it is a earmuffs for the kids. It is a shitload of work. Yes. Um, especially your 2L year, which is also typically your toughest year in law school. Mm. Um, uh, it was very important to me. So w- if I went back to when I went to law school and I had to do it again, I probably still would have done law review because when it was a very competitive job market, then people were getting offers revo- revoked because the law market was so tight. So people, the, 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 it was so hard to find a job that I felt like I needed anything on my resume to give me a leg up if I either knew what I wanted to do or, um, you know, had a better sense of where I wanted to work or, and whether law review would matter, it is a lot of work. And I don't know if, if the, if the payoff is there, I hate right. to say that. I mean, what do you I, think, Steve? Well, I would probably do it again uh, as well. My, so in my law school, you could, you, if you're in the top 10%, you were invited, um, in and if you and you could write on and there was a problem they sent out and the, the problem was is that you didn't know where you fell in the class until after the write on was due so you're right right uh, and and i ended up doing the write on because my girlfriend at the time was doing the write on so like the night before i'm like i'll just write something and i um, actually ended up in the top 10%. I know it's shocking for you, Yvonne. Um, but, <laughs> it's not true. <laughs> I am not but, shocked. Um, uh, and then I, and then my, 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 my written assignment was really good. And I, I literally had spent just a couple hours on it, but, um, um, not to pat myself on the back, but, uh, you know, so, um, but, uh, but anyways, I, I, you know, I mean, I, it was good. I think to be on law review, I, I would struggle with whether or not I'd actually want to do it again. Um, you know, and I, and at the end of the day, how much did it help me, you know, in my career or 
you know, land a job. I, it's hard to say. I mean, I, you know, I, I yeah, know. <laughs> it's like, if you want to go, if you want to work for a big firm, if you want to work for a prestigious firm, I do think it's important. They look at that stuff. Um, if you're coming out at a competitive job market, it is a leg up. A lot of places will just check your resume when they're going through piles of resumes to see if you went, if you did law review, we should point out that a lot of schools have more than one journal. Um, yeah. And so like Georgia has other journals. I think some of those journals, in my opinion, um, required less hours um, than law review did and similar experience of working with, you know, the authors of these articles will be lawyers, judges um, who are writing articles. And so it is great um, exposure to the legal field and to, to, you can get on a journal that's very specific to the practice area you might be interested in. in and so you can learn a lot from it. Um, so there, you don't have to just do law review if you want the experience of being in that corner, sort of like editorial type role. Um, but, you know, and I don't, and different schools handle law review different ways. So like uh, we had to go and physically get Steve the, and this is like the internet has been invented at this point. I'm not right. that old. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So even though I could look this stuff up on Westlaw in a second, I had to go and find the physical bound copy of a book, find the printed version of a case, go to the library photocopier, which there were two of, and photocopy it, then highlight it, the part that was being cited by the author, and then staple it to the thing for every case citation. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. That sounds like it hazy. Was yeah. <laughs> it was hazing. It was hazing. And I'm looking around at the people who aren't doing law review. And I'm like, who are just focusing on their classes, right? right. Who are focusing on the classes that I'm in with them that are curved. <laughs> <laughs> and this that it was my low moment where I was like, what have I, what am I doing? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. The, the requirement that you go get it off the shelf for law review doesn't make, I mean, I understood in my first year, because, because as I was, in law school was like basically when like Lexus and Westall had been around for a couple of years, but they were still relatively new. Um, you know, so they did want you to be able to go find the books off the shelves. But after that, I mean, they, they, you could do your research on Lexus or Westall. It was so and, ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and there's only mm. one copy of the book. So if it's missing or somebody else has it, then yeah. you can't do that part of it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I know I'm just going on a rant now. <laughs> um, but, you know, it is one of those things. And this was separate from the, the thing that the law school used to do. I don't know if they do it anymore, where we had to learn how all the physical reporters worked. And, and it does have the benefit of, of helping you understand why cases are cited the way they're cited. And, you know, every case has sort of like a reporter number and all this stuff. But, you know, did I need to do that for for it was I mean, I counted it up. Sometimes it was 20 hours a week that I was putting into law review just to be able to say I was on law review. Um, right. to, in, in case it helped me get a job. Yeah. 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 And my actual ultimate bosses, including Steve, were like, we don't really care. Yeah. What can you really do? I mean, if you so hadn't been on law review, you <laughs> probably would have never made, you know, we, we would have just passed your resume. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anyway, so we were like, this will only talk for like 20, 30 minutes. Yeah, I know. I know. Now, we're, now we're an hour and 15 minutes in. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's well, a two-part two, two part bonus episode. Definitely, yeah. Hopefully somebody gets something out of this. And uh, and, and more importantly, we want to stay up on what, what Raz is going to do. So yeah. uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the big question. Yeah, it could be an ongoing series. 
Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. We should totally do that. Oh my gosh. That's a great idea. And you know, Raz, you're of course, you've already done great things. You're meant for more great things. And for anybody who is listening and still listening after an hour and 15 minutes, <laughs> Raz is doing what you should do if you're thinking about law school, which is talk to lawyers that you know mm-hmm. um, about what their jobs are really like. See if you can just sit in their office and play on your phone while they're working and just see what their job is really like because law school is a big commitment. And so you, you do yeah. want to um, feel as, as strongly about it as you can. Hmm. I think that when Raz goes to law school, we should insert a reporter with him and just have like a recorder going like 24 hours a day. <laughs> and we'll just hear, hear Raz at his highest and lowest moments. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 you know, I, I've thought about that with yeah. podcasting. I'll probably do like a vlog or something. Right, right. <laughs> you totally should. I mean, oh, you really should. I'm just thinking, now I'm just thinking about like if there was a vlog of me yeah. During all, oh, like, what? <laughs> like there'll be times when you're like, what was I thinking? Like <laughs> the stress. There's also like my first year, I can't believe I didn't get scurvy. So like, <laughs> I just like did, I mean, I, ugh, nutritionally, it was, a, it was a rough year. <laughs> oh man. Good times. Okay. Well, thank you guys for doing this. Yeah, I, appreci- no, I appreciate absolutely. the advice. Absolutely. Thank well, you for uh, asking. You yeah. know, we love to talk. So, yes. Yeah. I, I, as is obvious, since we went so long when we said it was going to be like 20 minutes. 20 minutes. <laughs> We're like, finally, an episode about us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this will be the one that'll uh, get us our four downloads. <laughs> <laughs> this one, maybe my mom and dad will listen to. Exactly. I doubt exactly. it. I doubt it. <laughs> Cool, guys. All right, guys. Well, this has been great. Good luck with your decision, Raz. Thank you. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, have you reached a verdict? <laughs>